Well, Darren's loaded it with all my stuff, and then overnight he fiddled about with my computer, and uh, which was nice. And uh, I wasn't there to enjoy it. And he, he, he's transferred everything over. Okay. So have you got a Mac? Yeah. Oh, right. Everybody's got Macs. My neighbour Lynn's got a Mac. I've got three. You haven't, have you? Yeah. God, you're so rich. Honestly, I wish I was as rich as Anthony yeah, Davis. Cheap. Three Mac. Why have you got three? Well, one's in the living room, one's in the office, and one's portable. One's in the office? You've got an office? Well, the, the box room is my office. Blah, blah. How many bathrooms have you got? One. Oh, thank God for that. Thought I was going to have to compete on the bathroom front. I got six. Anyway, so, uh, <laughs> see you tomorrow. See you. Sleep well. Three Max. Blimey. Three, I've never heard of anybody with three Max. Well, tell the I think I think Darren might have three Max. No, he's got two. One, two, yeah. Three. I've never heard of anybody with three. I mean, that is so rich. Anyway, so, uh, there it all was yesterday, the marathon. At it very well, did you? I would have done it. I really would have done the marathon. I wanted to do the marathon. But I, I remember saying to them here, I said, listen, is there any chance you can get somebody to cover me? And uh, they went, there's only James Max. And I said, I said, but I thought he was running in the marathon anyway. Certainly needed to. And uh, so in the end, I didn't, I didn't do it. Because I was, I was all set. I got my number and everything else. And, and I didn't do it. And I, I came in here. And if you believe that, you'll nip fog. I'd love to do it. I still wear my running stuff when I came in yesterday. Pretty cool. Because I thought, as everybody else did, that it was going to be the hottest day of the year. Well, it wasn't. By a long way, it bucketed down here, bucketed down in Greenwich, bucketed down at, at Twickenham, all over the place. And I thought, well, that, that's good. We were chatting to Phil Blacker about it, and he was saying, that's actually quite good, because it makes, it makes it a bit easier, and nobody's going to boil over. But when, when they had the, the pictures of the celebrities running, I mean, oh, God, there was some pretty naff pictures. Michelle Heaton... I wonder what you did for a living, love. She was running, and uh, oh, dreadfully tedious. Um, Princess Beatrice, you know, as, as Anthony says, he thought she was dressed up as a horse, which I thought was very cruel. When in the mirror, a little bit, she does unfortunately look a bit like Sarah Ferguson, does look a bit like a horse, and she turned up with, with Prince Andrew. The things like this, the royal family are not supposed... That What they're supposed to be is above this kind of thing. They don't turn up and pretend that they're one of us, because they're not. OK? They don't stop at traffic lights. They don't have to do these things. Prince Andrew's a little bit snooty, you know, call me sir and that kind of... So, you know, you don't turn up to the marin, you, marathon. You, you probably thought it was a bit, a bit cute that your daughter was running with uh, Holly and Sam Branson. But as it's their father who's got the branding on the marathon this year, of course. And they were all joint because it's obviously, like, really funny. Like, really funny. OK, we're going to do what? OK, we're not going to run the marathon, goes Beatrice. We're going to be a caterpillar. OK, yeah. OK, right. And so what we're going to do... OK, we're going to get chain, and we're going to be all chained together. Oh, cool. That is just so funny. And so 33 of these uh, bright young things chain themselves together. I'd have dropped them off Tower Bridge. But anyway, that's just me being caring. And they all go run it because it's, like, fun in the streets. We can, like, wave to people. What a jape. Well, I tell you, we went back and we just laughed and laughed so much. And at the end, we saw Mater and Peter, and they were there. And that was, like, really funny. And, and Mummy said to me, she said, God, darling, you did really, really well. And you think they were, they were running as a caterpillar. I mean, God help us. Apart from that, it was good. There are serious runners there. I mean, there are serious people who actually get paid good money for running, in the, and they bring them in. And because of the volcano, they, uh, they sent private planes, they chartered things to get the runners in to make sure that they were all running at the right time. How cool was that? And I watched it, and I listened to it on the radio, and we played a bit of the music. I was quite happy, actually. I just don't want to do it. 
I just don't want to do it. I mean, I'd love to be able to do it. God knows. I mean, I, I would be the first person out there donning my little shorts and running up and down, but it's not an attractive look. I did admit on air the other day, I mean, I fooled myself, that uh, I, d- I don't wear shorts at work because Rick Kelsey came in yesterday and he was wearing shorts because in summer Rick wears shorts. OK, and so he's wearing his tight top and his shorts. And, uh, and he said, do you not wear shorts? I said, well, I do at home with the front door locked and the lights off, yeah. But I certainly don't go outside because I just don't have those sort of legs. I'm a little bit athletic. I'm the sort of person, if you saw me, you'd say you're a runner or a jumper or something because I used to be very athletic. So, I mean, I, I can, with a little bit of effort, get my legs over my head. Uh, I mean, no, not now, admittedly, but I used to be able to do that. And so that was, and so he said, well, why, why do you wear them? I said, because I've got little pale white legs, because I don't see sunshine, and it just looks silly. If I walked into the Antiques Roadshow, they would value my legs as a piece of old furniture. They wouldn't... I thought about spray tan, and, I, and then I thought, no, it's just going to look bad. It's just going to look like spray tan on my legs. So, and it's... I did think about it, because I went to Costco yesterday. Yeah, right. <laughs> Producer just offered to help. <laughs> you know where we're going with that one, don't you? Call the police. OK, get the police now. HR, hello. <laughs> Somebody, anybody. Um, so, that w- so that was that. So I'm not going to wear shorts. I, w- I mean, I, d- I don't really mind. You know, some people look good in shorts, and I'm not one of them, I'm afraid. Uh, I did like Britain's Got Talent. Uh, I did like Spellbound. I thought about time we saw somebody who sort of works hard, looks good. I think they could win. We had diversity last year, which was sort of doing, you know, the, um, the street dancing stuff. And then you had really good gymnastics. And they've had gymnastic events on the Royal Variety before. There have been all sorts of different circus groups and stuff like that. And I, I quite like that idea. Let's have them. Oh, surprise, surprise. Guess who's been shoving half of Columbia up her nose? Oh, dear, you'd never guess in a million years, ladies and gentlemen. Never guess. Denise Welsh. Denise Welsh from Loose Women. Oh, big surprise there. Not only has been she been shoving half of Columbia up her nose, but... She used to go out at three in the morning to meet the dealers. When she was doing Coronation Street, she said, I would do anything to get my next line of coke. And I thought to myself, why would she be telling you this? Why would we we, we be... Exactly! She's got her autobiography out, and she's got to make her rather dull life look interesting. So, in other words, you know, my coke shame... Great to tell us afterwards, Denise, isn't it? Shame you didn't tell us at the time, love. Mind you, most people guessed, I suppose. But isn't it, isn't it just, you know, to sell a book now, they go, my, my co- I mean, if I did a book, I'd have to go, my addiction to Halliborange. You know, it's not going to sell in the same way. Nobody's going to be as interested, are they? You know, my addiction to Diet Coke. And it's, it's just not, it's, it's a shame, really. Great shame. So uh, she's, she's flogging her, her book. Strangely enough, one of the... Remember we had, was it Denise Nolan, who's got breast cancer? And she's urged all her sisters in the Nolans to get checked. Now, I'm assuming that Loose Women is on today. If Denise is on there, I'd like to say, why do you think people are remotely interested in whether you shoved half of Columbia up your nose or not? I mean, are you that desperate to sell a book that you have to tell people these stupid things? It's like telling... You know, you wouldn't tell somebody how many times you had sex. Oh, you probably would, actually, nowadays, wouldn't you? Have you read the Jodie Marsh tawdry little diary? Oh, disgusting. Piece of filth from a piece of filth. Disgusting. And so, when people tell you about their drugs hell, I'm a bit bored with it now. Because it seems a bit naff. You go, yeah, but everybody's doing it. Who's... I, my coke shame. Well, quite clearly not, love. You've written about it in a book, hoping to line your pocket, so no shame at all. Just trying to recoup some of the money. God dear me. Anyway, another story which I found quite intriguing, and I thought I was right on this one. Bosses at ITV... Depending whether you believe this, bosses at ITV 
are desperate to hang on to Penny Smith and Ben Shepherd. Leaked figures have revealed that the pair are the two most popular presenters on GMTV. Well, I've told you that ages ago. The trouble is, Ben and Penny are both set to leave the breakfast show after Chiefs announced a revamp, but the Mirror has seen an audience ratings which reveal they outshine fellow presenters. Oh God, that'll make Ben Shepherd even more big-headed than he is now. Senior executives now recommend they be redeployed within the channel. Well, of course, they're going to be because Ben Shepherd's agent told us, didn't he? That Ben was leaving because he's got loads of things in the pipeline. He's got loads of work. That's why Ben Shepherd was leaving. It certainly wasn't because he had a queenie fit because he discovered that Adrian Childs was, was coming in. Nothing to do with that. It's because he's got other work lined up. So ITV, not fear, worry. Because Ben Shepherd is there. Ben Shepherd will be, will be on the channel. Won't he? Of course he will. I mean, you'd hate to think that Ben Shepherd would throw another Queenie strop because somebody else was coming in to take his job and would then have to say, listen, I'm leaving anyway. I was going, I wasn't going to stick around. Such is the loyalty, ladies and gentlemen, of our television presenter. They couldn't give a stuff about you. They only seem... In- Isn't that strange? That they only seem interested in themselves. They're not remotely... In- not once have I heard Ben Shepherd or anybody else mention about, you know... It'll, it'll be sad to leave all my audience who've been very loyal to me. Not once. All you hear about is, oh, he's got loads of other work lined up. Well, bully for you, Ben. Bully for you, mate. That time you started thinking about the audience. You know, because they're the people who put you where you were. You ask any big celebrity, Ben, and I don't include you in that, Popsy. You know, and the one thing that they're always grateful to is their audience. I've not once heard you mention your audience. That time you started re-evaluating your life because you're coming over as, as one of these little vain boys who thinks that television owes him a living. Whereas the person who put you there might have been your bosses. The person who keeps you there is your audience. Do you seriously think that half of LBC's presenters would be here if the audience dropped off? Of course they wouldn't. They'd bring in other people to get an audience. Shame it doesn't work like that on television. I sneaked off from Corrie filming to snort lines of coke in the loo. I'd risk anything for my next hit. Denise, you are stupid. You really are, honestly. I used to... I mean, I, I, sort of, I was never that big a fan of yours because every time I turn on Loose Women, you're droning on about you and your naff marriage and how you've got separate bedrooms and, and how we've seen you falling drunk out of clubs. And, we've, you know, and it's, I just keep reminding myself, it's a, it's a panel thing, dear. It's not just you. Not just you. Try and think of the other people on there. Oh, my God, who's that? Dear me, that's a bit of old mutton dressed as mutton. Oh, God, who is it? It turns out to be Gary Lineker's wife, Danielle, going out to a nightclub with a little miniskirt on and these silly bikey boot type things. Oh, dear love, aren't you a bit ancient for doing that? I thought you were a little bit old for going out to nightclubs wearing little dresses like that. You're married to Gary Lineker, dear. He's an old man. He needs looking after. Stay in, administer his medication and and read him books till he goes to sleep. Because we all had you down... Little bit like other people, as his carer. You know, which I thought is... You know, I mean that in a, in, a, in a nice, caring sort of way. But, you know, going out to nightclubs, sweet pea, uh, and together with Christine Bleakley as well, you're both a bit old for this kind of thing. You know, maybe 10, 15 years ago when you were nightclub... But not now, dear. Because you just look as though you've got the word desperate stamped all over you. Stay in, learn how to do jigsaws, perhaps, to, you know, play draughts or something like that. Or my best advice is painting by numbers. OK. If you can manage it. I mean, it's not too complicated. I think one of you should better manage it. I'm not sure both of you could. Quarter past five. 
These are the headlines. One of the Pope's senior officials has moved to calm the controversy over a leaked Foreign Office memo about his trip to Britain. A teenage girl is being questioned after a 45-year-old man was stabbed to death in Stockwell. And the Duchess of York says she's a very proud mum after her daughter, Princess Beatrice, became the first royal to run the London Marathon yesterday. With the travel, good morning, Matt Jones. Good morning. We'll start off uh, with Barnet, where there's a problem this morning. Morning, everybody. I love Monday. I absolutely love Monday. I love Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday and Sunday. Andy says, surely Gary, Gary Lineker's in his prime. <laughs> he's not. He's old. He's old. I'll tell you what I saw the other day, though, Andy. Because I'd, 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 I'd forgotten he had children. They had a picture of Piers Morgan's children. Obviously, Piers had managed to bag himself a good holiday somewhere because he'd done a two-page spread in the Daily Mail. And normally, if a celebrity pays for a holiday, they're not giving free publicity. So this, this must have been a good... It's a new holiday resort, and they'd given him this huge villa, and you just know how the system works. And he was over there with his three sons. And, uh, and one of them, I think, is 18. One is not, and the other one's not either. But, uh, but they're quite a good-looking family. I think that's with his first wife. I think because then he's, he's now going to get married again, isn't he? And I think then it's going to be one of these OK celebrity weddings. But he doesn't know anything. I did say yesterday that watching him on Britain's Got Talent, he didn't understand any of it. There was at one point, and I only repeat it because it made me laugh, and he said, so, so what do you think's at the end of the rainbow to one of the contestants? And Amanda Holden looked at him, and Simon Cowell went, What? What's at the end of the rainbow? And quite clearly, Piers, who gets a bit flustered, because he's, he's not used to somebody telling him off, but he knows that he has to kowtow to Simon, because if he doesn't, they'll replace him with sort of a talking eggshell or something. And uh, so they, they and he went, oh, yeah, at the end of the rain... And he just didn't understand about show business. He doesn't understand about anything at all, poor soul. Although he shouldn't be judging other people. Although I did laugh at, um, at uh, Jim Shelley, who was eyeing up the talent... He, say, he says, uh, Saturday's Britain's Got Talent started badly. A 51-year-old woman from Leeds played Billie Jean on the castanets, which was a little bit worrying. Next up, Spellbound, a group of slightly sinister, muscle-clad 12- to 24-year-olds performing a kind of satanic gymnastic version of diversity meets the midwitch cuckoos. <laughs> it's a bit alarming. The long-awaited Susan Boyle moment arrived with Christopher Stone a desperately shy 28-year-old accountant with a deep, rich voice. For reasons of his own, Cowell decided to interrupt and question his potential, claiming he was too nervy. Stevie Starr, the regurgitator, swallowed five silver coins in a billiard ball, at least he said he did, until you could hear them click inside his stomach and then he could bring them up. I mean, that was... But he's, a, he's been a professional act for ages. That's what he does. He's a regurgitator. How oh, you ever discover you can do that? I don't know. Not as fascinating as it, as it sounds. Amanda Holden looked wide-eyed and dumbfounded, although, to be fair, that is her permanent expression. Have you noticed on everything? Because she's... I don't know whether she's very Botoxed or a little Botoxed, but she's got this... She sits there and her eyes open really wide and she goes, well, we didn't expect that. And I thought, well, what did you expect, love? You can't be that dumb. Please, please tell us you're not that dumb. Please try and tell us. I mean, even she must be, you know, in awe of the makeup department who every week managed to give her this sort of caught-in-the-headlights look and then managed to tease that small amount of hair she's got into something that vaguely resembles a style. Nothing, though, can be as infuriating as Stephen Mulhern. I do... I, I like watching Stephen Mulhern because he's about six foot six and he towers over everybody, but he's still not managed to find a pair of jeans that fits... And you really want him to... Steve Mulhern uh, hosts it on uh, ITV2. He does the best bits where he goes and interviews them. And to be honest with you, the rudest one on there is, uh, is Piers Morgan. 
Even Simon, who lives on his telephone, is, is very gracious. However, if you really wanted to see serious brown-nosing, you only had to turn on Jonathan Ross, Ross to see him disappearing up the backside of Gwyneth Paltrow, Robert Downey Jr and Demi Moore. It was toe-curlingly embarrassing. And then to make it worse, because he couldn't get them in the studio, we had this... I mean, he loves everything that the, the, these people do. He loves just everything. It's almost... You just want to say, look, climb down from inside. Makes it a lot easier. But then to make it worse, he brought on that ghastly Louie from Pineapple Dance Studio, who proved he was a one-trick pony and, I'm afraid, was neither funny nor interesting or even very puffy. You know, if you're going to be puffy, Louie, at least do it properly, mate. Don't sort of pretend that's what the public seem to think everybody wants to see, that people like that, because they don't. They don't. The new Chico, they've said. Ooh, a one-hit wonder, I do hope so. Perhaps no further. Uh, Jordan apparently is expecting a baby. Who says so? The Daily Star, so you know it's rubbish. And uh, the good news is that she's still stuck in Charmel Shake. It's fantastic. I mean, it's, oh God, we couldn't have worked it better. Nobody's told her the planes are flying. They're always going, no, no not, not today, I'm afraid, nothing. Have to stay another day on the beach, won't you? And, uh, interesting. And then Simon Cowell has now slapped a boob ban on. Did you see this topless Tia who turned up on the show doing fire eating? You see her? Oh, my Godfather. She took her top off, two little nipple caps covering it. It turns out this old scrubber used to make uh, hardcore porno. She sold her story to the papers yesterday. What a th- And I said on air, and I've said it before, how marvellous for Tia Brody's parents. They must be thrilled. That's our daughter, the hardcore porn star. How marvellous, dear. What a career. Lying on your back, sleeping with all and sundry. <gasps> very worrying. Very, very worrying. Uh, Katie Price has thrown an intimate baby cue for her closest pals. Um, they say here she's got back from Egypt. I thought she was still there. I'm sure I phoned up customs and said, listen, have a check. Have a check, you know. <laughs> but anyway, uh, they are back home, it says here. And uh, among guests at the barbecue were Alex's parents, Carol and Bob. <laughs> Carol and Bob Reed. How lovely. That's our son. He wears women's clothing. You know, really impressive, isn't it? And fellow glamour girl, Danielle Lloyd, another one who's up the duff. It's unbelievable how many people are pregnant at the moment. I didn't know that they were that friendly. There's no mention here. Rather ashamed that, um, that there was Michelle Heaton. She normally turns up to the opening of a fridge door. So I'm surprised she wasn't there. And then she... <laughs> Princess Beatrice. There she is. <laughs> Do you know, there's, there's attractive and then there's royals. And they seem to fit into a different category. Uh, Gordon Ramsay. He was very rude. Very rude. When I was watching his programme cooking, he was in Kerala cooking. And it's very good. But he was with this woman and he went to one area of Kerala and it was all vegetarian. The whole thing was, was vegetarian. Everywhere he went, vegetarian. You could buy a flat there, but only if you were vegetarian. And he's sitting opposite this woman, and she's saying, well, listen, at least, at least sort of, you know, be, be sort of gracious and try the food. And he was actually swearing in front of her. He was using the f word, he used the b, he used every word I've ever heard on the in front of a woman. Which, you know, might be part of the act, but... A, a woman that you don't really know that much. And he was swearing to all the men in Kerala. He was sort of saying, you effing did this to me. And I'm thinking, it's not absolutely necessary. I mean, I could do this entire programme by swearing. And it would probably get huge ratings, but it wouldn't, it wouldn't actually do anything for me, would it? Wouldn't. Well, I don't think so. Um, another one here. I often wonder how you're able to spot so many thieves. Happened to me yesterday in uh, Westfield. A man with a child in a pushchair simply picked up a loose white chocolate cookie and casually started eating it. They do. People do that. I've seen, I've seen no end of people do it. It drives me mad. I can't go out now. 
Oh, it's Bernie Nolan who has cancer, not not Denise. I knew it was one of the. But hasn't hasn't Denise had a cancer scare as well? I think three of them. Yes, of course. Is there a Denise Nolan? <laughs> of course there is. Hands Denise and bumps a daisy. Oh, that's an old Louis joke from Pineapple Dance Studios. <laughs> yes, I, I think three of them have had it. But what the, what they're saying is now that they should all get checked. So of course they should. Of course they should. Who else was running yesterday? Pete Digby was some bloke who ran with a fridge on his back. A fridge, I ask you. Uh, Richard Whitehead, uh, who went on his uh, on his fake legs. Good for him. Gordon Ramsay pulls up injured. Oh, dear. And Michelle Heaton cried after collapsing at the finish. Oh, did him. It's a shame, isn't it, really, love? Never mind. At least he gives you something to do and somebody took your photo. So you must be fairly happy. Uh, Richard Branson's team broke a record. I'm hoping it's something by Chico. And, uh, oh, Ellen Reavers went. Natalie Abrulia. Oh, and TV man at the moment, Benjamin Shepherd. There you go. I love the idea that Vinnie Jones sparked a brawl with a fellow Brit actor, somebody called Tamer Hassan, I've never even heard of, and I ended up getting a right pasting, because uh, Vinnie Jones, who sells himself as being a bit hard, it's only because he's got a face like a squashed tomato, that people go, oh, he's really hard. But he's, he's not really. He just pretends he is, and they, they put him in hard man films, but he's never actually made it successfully in Hollywood. He just sort of hangs around on the periphery, makes a bit more money by doing a reality show here, and that goes back to the States. Uh, we don't get the benefit of it. We have to put up with his boredom in the Big Brother house, thankfully never again. And uh, this, this all started when he was, Vinny was having a business meeting. I think he was working out, you know, whether he can find another reality show before the year is out, because he's got to live over there and he still hasn't made it in America. Still not happening, I'm afraid. So we'll, we'll wait and see whether that, one, uh, whether that one works. 25 degrees sizzler, but it's rain on the bank holiday. And uh, on Saturday, beaches were packed as strippers enjoyed the hottest day. Warmest place, St James's Park, which saw 21.3 degrees. Didn't feel that yesterday. Nick Ferrari, back from his uh, battle bus. He's going to be talking about this Foreign Office memo uh, to mark the Pope's visit by asking him to open an abortion clinic. And then we're going to ask him to bless a gay wedding and uh, bring out Pope condoms. And Nick will ask that very pertinent question, is it humorous or offensive? And the idea is, I think it's humorous. It's, I mean, it's not going to be offensive unless you're the sort of person who's offended by somebody saying the word bottom, you know, very loudly first thing in the morning. You know, if you're easily offended by bottom or boobies, then uh, there's a very good chance you're going to be sort of reaching for the phone and complaining bitterly. In which case I go like that. Because it's just not offensive, is it? It's just, it's the silly people who don't ever get a letter from anybody. And they, and they like to, dear BBC, I saw Terry Wogan the other night. His wig is atrocious. You know, and they write it because they want a letter back. I like getting letters back from people. I can't bear it. I've managed to clear all my junk. I don't get any junk mail at home at all. Nothing. And I think that's because I don't fill in things. Whenever you go in anywhere, they go, oh, do you have a Boots card? Do you have this card? And the answer is I haven't got any of this stuff. I don't really want it. I'm not, not remotely interested. Uh, but the, the church is saying, oh, it, it's dreadful. Well, I mean, do you not think that the Pope's got a sense of humour? I mean, do you not think he sits down occasionally and has a little chuckle about some little little thing that he's read somewhere? I mean, he must do. He must do. I mean, it's, it's a gag, isn't it? It was, it was... All right, so some might say it's in bad taste, but for goodness sake, there's worse things in heaven and earth than a few funny gags about the Pope opening an abortion clinic, the Pope blessing a gay marriage, and, uh, and Pope condoms... I mean, you know, it's. I mean, you really would have to be, you know, living on cloud cuckoo land and up a tree by yourself to be offended by that. I mean, unless the, I would like to say to the Pope, were you offended by that? And the message would come back. Of course, His Holiness is not offended by that because he's not. Wouldn't make any difference to him. He's, he's not going to get. 
Oh dear. I mean, it's, there's going to be demonstrations as it is when he comes over. The least thing they're going to be worrying about is a few condoms with the Pope's face on. There's going to be... Listen, have you been to Vatican City and seen the rubbish that they trawl out there? As, oh, it's just ghastly. I mean, why people buy this stuff? I mean, you know, even in the Christian church, I don't think we have anything that's as tawdry as some of the things I've seen. So They just look like they're cheap and horrible. And I think it deserves better. It really does. It's like going to Lourdes. You go to Lewis, the stuff they've got on sale there, and people buy it. Drives me crackers. Drives me crackers. Nice to see that uh, also enjoying the rugby, as I was the other day, Alexandra Burke, downing her sorrows. I also downed my sorrows and about half the pub's sorrows at the same time. A very good afternoon was had by all. I don't know why I moved on to vodka. I can remember up as far as looking out the window of the Barmy Arms and going, do you know, it's gone a bit quiet, hasn't it? Because <laughs> all the fact There must have been two... 2,000 fans go, go to the pub and then all of a sudden they've all gone because they've all, they've all gone off to watch the rugby. I, of course, didn't have the strength to find the toilets, but luckily I've got one of those bags, so I'm OK. I don't need to leave my seat. I just sit there with a big smile on my face. Anyway, coming up very shortly, it's the news, it's LBC, it's Monday morning, and I'm feeling in a very good mood. LBC 97.9 As predicted on this programme, we said they do it. They've axed Ashley from Coronation Street and his wife. They've decided they have to go. And the reason being, they're coming up to their 50th anniversary and they haven't had any storylines. So uh, poor old uh, Julia and Stephen Arnold went to see the new producer, whose name is Phil Collinson, and they said, uh, listen, we haven't had a meaty storyline, very good line for a butcher, for a while. Uh, any chance of something coming up? And he said, yes, you're leaving. And they went, what? Oh. And they, he went, yeah, he said, we, we, we just think it's sort, of, it's sort of gone as far as it can. Which is, he's actually quite right. There is nothing more you can do. They sit in their little house at the moment. I mean, I don't know if anybody saw Coronation Street the other day with the stupid car crash with Tyrone. I mean, it was just rubbish. Middle of nowhere, as I said, Sunday, they managed to get two fire engines, two police cars and an ambulance out there. And there's one policeman, when, when Kevin turns up, he goes, sorry, mate, you can't, you can't go there. That's my mate. Sorry, sir. He's talking to a field you know, there's nobody else in the field, and they, they managed to get her out, and it, it was just rubbish, the whole thing. It just looked badly shot and anyway. But anyway, so poor old, um, poor old uh, Stephen Arnold is fuming at the decision to axe the character, which he's played for, I think, 14 years. Now, he's never had any major storylines, has he? They've never done... When wax it, yeah, but that, you see, it's, it, you need more in soaps. If it's somebody... I'm trying to think of somebody, uh, you know, even... Even William Roach gets storylines with things going on and he can get involved because he's a stalwart of it and he's been doing it for a long time. Even though Stephen, Peake, Stephen Arnold has been there for 14 years, there's never been anything that is that major. And at the moment, all we get is that shot of their little tiny sitting room where she pretends to vanish upstairs and stands on a cardboard box. And he's, he just sort of comes up with his funny voice. Now, is there life after soap for him? Probably, because he never made such a huge impact. He never made a huge... He, he was fine. He was just part of the ensemble team. So they must have been gutted, though, when they go in there. So what they're going to... They, they say here, we mutually decided to start working towards an exit for the Peacock family, giving the actors the chance to explore new opportunities. You know what that means? That means, why don't you just bugger off and go and find something else to do? 14 years, though. 14 years. I'm praying my daughter doesn't get breast cancer, says Bernie. Uh, Linda beat cancer in 2006. Um... Anne had cancer in 2000. Maureen starred in the West End and Pantomime. And Colleen, they say, successful TV career, but so fake. 
So fake. Mind you, I think she learnt it from Shane Ritchie. Uh, because Shane Ritchie was a, was a red coat, blue coat, whatever he did. And, and he did the, hello, all right, little cheeky chappy, which, you know, to the point of annoyance with some people. And, and I think she's learnt the same thing, because when I watch her on Loose Women now, I can tell when somebody's genuine on television. You can spot them a mile off. With her, I just, and she did admit, she said, I've never done a, 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 you know, an honest laugh on the programme since I've been on it. It's all been fake laughter. <laughs> You're so funny. <laughs> and I, I remember, and it obviously sunk in, because for ages, when they had interviews on there, she sat there dumb. She never said a word, because she didn't, she didn't understand about how to, how to chip in, and she didn't have any sensible questions, because she only ever played it for laughs. So she never had any... So if, if the only time she could get a word in edgewise is if there was a bloke on there, and she would sit there and sort of rest her bosom on his lap. And that would be the only time. And she'd flirt with somebody. And you'd think, it's a bit sad for an old woman of your age, dear, to still be doing things like that. Especially when you've got two grown-up children sitting there. One of whom she packed off to a brothel. Do you remember in, uh, in Amsterdam for his 16th birthday? What a lovely present. Typical from somebody from Blackpool. Uh, another one here. This is on... Uh, oh, still on the marathon. And they've got Beatrice running, dressed as a, as a caterpillar, with her name, Beatrice, on a cap. This is like, OK, yeah, this is just, like, so much fun. I'm going to keep this. And I'm going to get, like, loads of people to sign my hat. Got my name Beatrice on it, in case everybody goes, excuse me, there's a horse, horse running over there somewhere. Somebody, I love this one here. Somebody was dressed up like the, um, um, what do they call it? The gingerbread man. I think that's quite funny. And she's Michelle Heaton. Well, I've run it, and I'm going to pose. Thank you very much. My name is Michelle Heaton. I'm available for any work. Any work. I'll do anything. Any, absolutely anything. Okay, would you like to... Re- I'll do it. Would you like to... Re- I'll do it. I can be there tomorrow. I can be there now, actually. I've got a very good friend, because Katie Price and me are really good friends. Sometimes. Okay, and I'm really, like, big in, in show business. No, you're not. You're married to a plank. Oh, look, Lorraine Kelly did it. Oh, hello. Oh, dear, I bet she must be wetting herself down at GMTV at the moment. They don't know what's going on. Nobody knows what's happening down there. And it's, it seems to be changing on a, on a day-to-day basis. Are they going to make her work five days, like normal people? Or will they let her do two days? Uh, can we get rid of all the silly stuff like cooking? You know, I think cooking on television is just rubbish. I can't bear it. I cannot bear it. Thank you. Oh, lovely. Has the man been in to do the coffee machine? Yes, mm-hmm. I suppose he has. Mm. Mm-hmm. Oh, your voice has dropped a bit this morning, matron. <laughs> lovely, isn't it? That really does look delicious. <laughs> I hope it's... Re- I, did a, I did a cup of coffee yesterday in the machine, and it had the froth on it. When we took the froth away, it was all, it was all weed, weedy and black. Here they are, they're back in town again. Dawn French and Lenny Henry. You'd never know they were divorcing. You'd never know. They always look very happy. Uh, they, they get on very well together. They've been together. She is vast. She is, I'm sure she's getting bigger. The good thing about Dawn French is, like a lot of people like that, is she's got a very pretty face. A very pretty round face, which photographs fantastically. But she's enormous. I mean, she is huge. But they both arrived back. I think they'd been... Where had they been to? I think they must have been on, uh, on holiday, probably in the Bahamas or something like that. But, uh, but they, uh, they tried to ignore photographers... As you do, I can't see you. I do that. You know when you're sitting there in, in, in traffic and somebody comes along the inside and, and they're trying to nudge in and I think, don't let them, don't let them in. Oh, you've let them, why'd you let them in? I get really angry with that. I sit there and I, if, if, if I could, I'd shunt all the cars up together and go, no, you're not coming in. I'm sorry, you should have to queue like the rest of us. The people let them in, don't they? Oh, like, hello, can I come in? Thank you. I hate it when people don't even say thank you. Oh, you'd let them in, would you? Oh, God. Producer would let them in. He said, I, w- I wouldn't. I sit there think, I'm not letting you in. Blast, the car in front's let them in. You know, and then I, I sort of sit there and fume. Although the other day, I, d- I did mention the dreadful story I had after I'd, I'd been out and 
had the car washed on Saturday, because I like getting the car washed on Saturday. You know, it's a nice day, I might as well get the car washed. And it's only six quid, but I give them eight, because it's a big car and there's a lot of cleaning. And um, having got it cleaned, I then go out for my lunch with a friend Daryl, because we're going to the Lady Rattling's lunch. Ooh, posh. It's very posh. Actually, incidentally, I, I'm, I'm going to mention, I, because I, I got a text from, uh, from Scott and Barbara the other day. Bless their hearts. Honestly, poor soul. He must get up at the crack of dawn. And, um, and because Barbara is president of the Lady Rattlings, and uh, they can't go on that day. I'm gutted because they're off uh, to a wedding. And said, uh, unfortunately, we've got a wedding on the day of the Lady Rattling Spring Ball. Uh, but Barry's going. And I hope we're going to get a dinner or lunch with you soon. The show kept us going in Dubai with a touch of home because they were in Dubai. And, uh, and I got that from a friend of mine, Mike. Who was stuck? No, they're they're back home now. But when they were in Dubai, they was they had nothing else to listen to. You can't listen to Dubai radio. Welcome to Dubai radio. And then you get silence for fifteen minutes or something. I, don't, I can't imagine what Dubai radio is. I think a friend of mine worked for it some years ago, which is very funny. Uh, but uh, but they're all back and they're in one piece. And uh, looking for, I bet they're looking forward to Panto. I bet she's looking forward to Panto this year. I think it's the first year she's done Panto in a long, long while. I bet they're looking forward to it down in Bristol. I hate to say the old gag again, Scott, about, of course, if it's Barbara, where else would she be doing panto but Bristol? <laughs> but she is. So there you go. Uh, Steve, are they Max that flashes wear? Uh, says Mike. I don't know. Uh, oh, my Apple Mac. Oh, right. Gee, I'm quite looking forward to it. I haven't seen the blooming thing yet. I've only seen it in the box. I haven't seen it out of the box. Costs like an arm and a leg. I'll have to work for the next year to pay it off, I should imagine. Steve, a celebrity taking cocaine. Not much of a revelation these days. About half the TV industry is on the stuff. It is, but it's very, very addictive. I, I'll admit you now, I have a friend who has just started taking cocaine. And, um, and it's uh, in, already, in, in a short space of time, it has taken over a little bit of their life because it, it's given them... I don't know. It, I think it gives you false hope. I've never done it. I'd tell you if I'd done it, but I've, I've never done it in my life because I'd be too worried that, I, that I'd like it and I can afford it. And that's the only worry about it. It's the only thing that's never gone up in price. And so it becomes very, very addictive. And as Denise Welsh says on the front page of The Mirror Today, and it's serialised in her book, she'd do anything. You'd rob. If if, if you become addicted in a big way, and I'm hoping this this friend of mine doesn't become too addicted. You know, some... I mean, I I know it's illegal, and I know it's it's been the same price for years. I think it's still 50 to £60 a gram for cocaine. And and people take it, and and they think it gives them an extra something. I get roughly the same effect on two large vodkas and diet cokes, <laughs> but uh, but I can't, but but I, I just don't quite see what the advantage is. But there again, perhaps I, perhaps I wouldn't. Uh, Steve says, glad to hear you upheld the rugby tradition, downing beer by the jug full, but no violence as football fans. There's never any violence at rugby. There's never any violence. People just sort of go there and they all dress up. They have a few drinks. They do a sing along and they go to the rugby. It's fine. ITV had to axe Ashley Steve because they can no longer afford the helium to produce his high-pitched voice. Oh. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Poor soul. Poor soul. We like him, actually. He's quite sweet. A little bit inoffensive, and I think you've got to have some sort of edge somewhere, and I don't think that he had the, uh, the edge at all. Uh, wealthier fans of Cliff Richard are now being offered the chance to own his old sports car. So that's good news. Not only can you buy his wine which isn't very drinkable. And we know it's not very drinkable because, sadly, they made him test it on television. They did a taste testing. Do you remember? And it was, yes. And they kept, I think it was Gordon Ramsay or somebody like that. And they had all the different wines there, but they'd sneaked in cliffs and they poured it. And they said, which one do you like? And he went to this one and they went, oh, that's quite nice. I, I, that's quite nice and fruity. And, and this one? It's OK. 
passable, drinkable, you know, for sort of, you know, barbecues and stuff like that. And this one here, oh, that's horrible. They said, well, actually, that's your wine, Sir Cliff. Because <laughs> you can't, you know, you can't. He has his own perfume. I think it's called Miss Unites. I know. I was going to get some for the producer for Christmas. But uh, now you can buy his old sports car. Uh, it's being flogged in auto trade, this one. Uh, first owned by him back in 83. They want 10,950. The ad reads, the classic converter was capable of going from 0 to 62 miles an hour in just five seconds and on to a top speed of 152 miles an hour. Not now, I shouldn't think. Probably in its heyday. But 10,950. But it was owned by Cliff Richard. So it will have in the logbook. Won't have Cliff Richard, will it? It'll have Harry Webb in there. Which is even more exciting, I think. It is Harry Webb, isn't it? Yeah. Even more exciting. I like that. Uh, more on the, uh, the talent shows. Uh, flipping Wonders. And this is 13 strong members of Spellbound. I think they're absolutely going to go straight through. I think they're going to... We, we, we did have another dog on the programme who played the guitar. It's a, he didn't play the guitar, I know. These people, the, 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 but these people look so dejected when they come on and they start doing... So, there was one bloke, and you can always tell that they're going to be a total disaster when, the, when they start going, yeah, well, I did this, and they're, they're doing their interviews beforehand, because you know that they're going to be off the stage in about five seconds. And that, that was the trouble with, uh, with one of them yesterday, who came on and started singing, and was that just rubbish? Just rubbish, you have to get rid of him. And, of course, if you're going to be on Britain's Got Talent, by goodness, you've got to have a story. It's no good just being a singer... You've got to be... Sorry, how old are you? I'm sorry, um, um, what is the dream? Uh, I, I want to sing. OK, Susan, uh, you can go now. I dreamed a dream and... Oh, my goodness me, that's so surprising. OK, we're going to make you a worldwide star. You can write your autobiography and you'll still be catching the bus. Because she won't take a car, so she caught the bus the other day. And, uh, and they go, that's great. So here she is, and then the next minute she's in rehab. And that's good, so you come out. And now we've got this latest one, Christopher Stone. He's an accountant. And, uh, oh, thank the Lord... He has a story. Five years of bullying at school, like hundreds and thousands of other people. Ask any child who went to school, did you get through school without being bullied? No, thank you very much indeed. I rest my case, Your Honour. So here he is, and uh, the shy office worker revealed the secret heartache that made his school days hell, because that's the only way people get publicity nowadays. It's a sad reflection. It doesn't come down to, you know, just you can sing, OK, and you're fairly shy, because lots of people are shy. But uh, not shy enough to go to the Sun newspaper and sell your story, eh? Or tell their story or whatever it happens to be. Either way, it's another bullying story. As I said, you could even, you know, who was it the other day? Jodie Marsh was bullied and went on every programme that would, that would listen to her. Because I think after a while people think, wait a minute, I'm not in the newspapers. I was bullied. Yeah, I was bullied. I was bullied at school. I bet Amanda was bullied. Of course she'd have to be. She's a little tiny short thing down here. Of course she'd be... Bu- Amanda, stand up. Oh, you are standing up. You know... That's bullied. And she also did a dance as well. And also the fact she was probably very infuriating, because that's why people are bullied at school. I mean, I, I was bullied because, you know, I was a little sort of posh boy and I was good at gymnastics. Well, when I say gymnastics, I mean, I was better at doing the, the field stuff. And, and you, get, you, you get bullied for things like that. So when I see somebody on the television, you think, well, everybody was popper. Everybody was bullied. There's even people listening at the moment who are being bullied, I should imagine, even as I speak. I'm going to bully you into the news, because it's 14 to 6. <laughs> Here's the headlines. The Vatican says a row over a leaked Foreign Office memo won't affect the Pope's visit to the UK in September. The document suggested the pontiff should be asked to open an abortion clinic and bless a gay marriage. Police are questioning a teenage girl after a 46-year-old man was stabbed to death in Stockwell on Friday evening. And Children's Secretary Ed Ball has been handed a £60 fine after being caught using his mobile phone whilst driving between Yorkshire and London. Check on the roads. Matt Jones. Thanks, Steve. In Barnet, there's a burst water. Point three. 
I'm as confused as everybody else. Every time I hear one of these debates on LBC, I sit there and I'm trying to... I mean, I had better luck with Simon Calder the other day. Because at least I understood if I could get compensation, at least I could understand that some people are still stuck in their destinations. Although I still can't understand why some of them come back and go, it's been hell. Why has it been hell? You've had an extra extra week on holiday. It's only hell if, you, if you're freelance and you've got to come back and you're missing out on work or something like that. But that's the, that's, that's the only reason. I can't think of any other reason why you'd not enjoy an extra bit of holiday. Jill and Roy, say a short note to say you brighten up our morning drive to work, which is good news, because it is Monday and you have to go to work. Although very shortly, I think we have another bank holiday coming up again, don't we? Is it? Is it oh, it's this weekend, is it? Good grief. I knew there was something, because I think on Monday... I'm doing breakfast for Nick Ferrari. So I have to remind myself, I don't know where I am half the time at the moment. I really don't know. And Christo's being me. OK, so that's on the Monday. Actually, was Christo in this weekend? Oh, because there's a big box, a big parcel for him upstairs. And it's been sitting there now for a week. And every day it was lying down. And I've stood it up so that when he walks in, he can see it's his. But obviously his eyes are not moving that, uh, that high up, which is a shame. So we'll have, we'll have to remind him. Uh, Noreen says, at Chelsea's match yesterday, Alan Hudson... It's a good pal of our Nathan, was there, as it's 40 years since Chelsea won the Cup. Alan was in the team. He also played for England, only briefly. Look at this, obviously, it's an education on this programme. Thank you, Noreen, very much indeed for that. Uh, with Nick as well this morning, as I say, they, they will be asking the question, and I suspect that Nick will probably take my stance on it. Andrew Pearce certainly did, and Kevin Sullivan, that these, uh, these comments about what, what the, the Pope could have on his weird wish list were just fun. They're not to be taken very seriously. They're taken to be as, as, a, as a bit of a joke, although they were done seriously. It was issued as a, as a proper statement, I think. Uh, the editor of the Pink Paper says they should be taken with a pinch of salt. And then they'll have the Vatican reaction with uh, Robert Mickens, who's the Vatican correspondent for the tablet. Hank Potts will have the uh, finance. And the rich list. Why are the super rich getting even richer? Because they work for it, I suppose. It was so funny. We, we were running through it, and I'm, I'm sadly not on it anywhere. I don't know anybody on the rich list, although I reckon that Ashley Tabor could probably make it on there. And his uh, dad... I bet his dad's on the rich list, actually. I've just realised, Mr Tabor, you must be on that rich list. Because if they've got people like Charlotte Church on there, and she's got 11 million, you're way ahead on that one. Way ahead on that one. And then they had... Uh, is it uh, Lakmish Mittal? 22 billion... By comparison, and if you're in that super-rich list, poor old Richard Branson at £2.3 must be feeling a little bit miffed that he's, that he's not as rich as he wanted to be. <laughs> I quite like that idea that if you're... It's like Andrew Lloyd Webber with his £430 million, or £230 million, and then you've got Cameron McIntosh with, say, £250 million. People go, he's got more money. How is this... Po-? In, in the same way that, you know, the producer's always saying to me, you know, thank you for buying me that very expensive DVD player. And, uh, you know, but you can only do that because you're, because you're very rich. And I say, I didn't actually buy her the DVD player. She just took it. OK, we don't want to sort of... I don't, I'm, I'm not the sort of person to dwell. Some people, you know, dwell on things and go on about it, ad infinitum. I don't, luckily. You'll notice on this programme, I hardly ever mention anything at all. Hardly ever mention anything at all. Uh, more pe- Oh, this, this, this gingerbread man makes the, uh, makes the papers and all of them. 36,000 people in the marathon. 36... I thought the weather was absolutely right. Absolutely right for people uh, who are running. And for people watching as well. You don't want to stand there if it's pouring with rain, do you? Anybody watch Marco Pierre White's dreary programme? Me neither. The silly man with the Yasser Arafat scarf on his head. I mean, how ludicrous do you have to be? I suppose it sort of makes up for lack of personality because nobody on the show is of any use whatsoever. I'm not remotely, remotely interested in Frank Lampard's ex, ex-missus on a show. And I had no idea. Isn't it funny? How, how you, you don't think about things, but she's got a very thick Spanish accent. Well, 
I, I wouldn't have had the faintest idea who she was. She could turn up in here now, and I wouldn't have the faintest idea who she was. But they're obviously trying to sort of push her and make her make her sort of a personality. But having seen her on this programme, the last thing she is is a personality. In the same way that you open up the Daily Star today, and uh, they've got uh, three photographs of the dreary Kerry Katona. I'm all white because she's wearing a white outfit, and uh, she's ditched her sponger husband and kicked the drugs habit. No, he ditched you. And your agent told you to kick the drugs because she said either you kick the drugs or you're washed up. So they're now trying to say that she's turned her life around. No, she hasn't. She's done nothing. She's done a few photo shoots. But it's still the same dreary old person underneath. We know that she still can't string two words together. And who's interested in her? Unless somebody's got the edge to them, there's no interest. She says here, I'm bankrupt, but I'm going to work my backside off to make a life again for my kids. Doing what, Poppet? Doing what? I'm always fascinated with people who've wasted, and I mean wasted, millions, either by shoving it up their nose or buying stupid things that they're never going to use again. Non-stop cars. I think at one time they had six cars. How stupid. How thick do you have to be? And so now she says, I'm going to... My dream was never to be rich and famous. Well, what, what was your dream then, love? So you didn't actually have any dreams or aspirations either. My dream was to be part of a family with kids doing homework at the kitchen table and a lovely husband. Oh, that lovely. I'm not going to let my children down. I bet they've kept all the press cuttings, love, just so they can rhyme, remind themselves in years to come. Just what an absolute credit to the older generation you must be. Somebody who doesn't actually do anything for a living, but we seem to applaud that kind of thing in this country. And we go, oh, you're, you're, you're just a celebrity. You go, well, what do they do? Well, they don't really do anything. Well, do they have a talent? No. Could they go on Britain's Got t- No, they couldn't do anything like that, no. Well, so what do they do? Well, they don't do anything. They just sort of turn up and poke poke their tongue out or fall over drunk or, or do something stupid. We go, oh, isn't that shocking? Whereas really, you just want to take them away and just drop them in the middle of the ocean and go swim. Learn something. Do some skill in your life. Go and run a marathon. Like, like the people the other day, many of whom have got out there. People with no legs got out there and ran a marathon, for Christ's sake. And you get dreary old bags like that who don't do anything. And it really annoys me. When there's people, I mean, God knows how she'd, oh, she'd be bleating on about it all the time, wouldn't she? God help us if she was ever injured in a car accident. Uh, more on, and I did mention it the other day because we love Come Dine With Me. They've done a, another celebrity one, only this is celebrity politics. I'm afraid with dreary old Edwina Curry again. And we've had Edwina Curry. Unfortunately, this time round, you've got Rod Liddle, who, according to um, Brian Paddock, is the most revolting bully he's ever met his entire life. Homophobic, vile. He says, well, he's, well, it is absolutely fact. If, if, I'll, I'll give you a quote here. Absolutely. When I arrive, Rod Liddle's flies are undone, the zip shining conspicuously against his otherwise matte black outfit. I wonder if I should tell him before he appears on television with trousers undone. It's a classic gay man's dilemma. In the end, I point it out and wait for the inevitable. Here it comes. Trust you to notice, Brian. You know, it's just stupid. He said at the end of it, he said, uh, Edwina... He said, just awful. Rod Little, a bully. He says, and as for Derek Hatton, what the hell's he doing there? Nobody used their real houses because in the wonderful world of Celebrity Come Dine With Me, like Biggins, didn't use Biggins' house, they had a house, but they had one here where he said it was absolutely dreadful. He said, during the London mayoral campaign, I did a TV debate with Ken Livingstone and Boris Johnson. They were a walk in the park compared with this lot. He says here... Nick Clegg once said in a magazine interview, the only reality show he'd ever consider was Come Dine With Me. Because they all want to do it, because it's great. Nicky says, don't do it. I can tell you from bitter personal experience, being cross-examined by your political adversaries on live television is much easier than trying to be social to them. 
And that's the trouble, because you do watch it. And I remember Edwina Curry when she appeared on the last one with Biggins, and she was just, after a couple of drinks, it just wasn't very pleasant. Derek Hatton, I thought, lived abroad anyway. He's obviously just come back to line his pockets again. Because let's face it, nobody ever knew Derek. In fact, even Andrew Pearce said to me, he said, nobody but people like us will remember who Derek Hatton is or was. And I said, well, he was the deputy leader of Liverpool Council. And he said, exactly. He said, but how many people will remember that? I said, everybody remembers it. The council went bankrupt. I said, we never actually met the leader of Liverpool Council. We only ever met Derek Hatton, who became like a champagne socialist. Now, I think, lives abroad and uh, happily flies back in, takes our money and then goes again. Nobody was ever interested in what he had to say. Old Degsy. There's a, there's a small book, or at least a pamphlet, I should imagine, that'll be coming out. Uh, you get your DVD today from the Daily Mail. This is World War Two in full colour. I don't know if you've ever seen any of them, but they're very, very, very good. And uh, and I did buy another DVD the other. I'm sorry to keep buying DVDs. But this was Rick Wakeman, The Six Wives of Henry VIII, which they did at Hampton Court Palace to celebrate, I think, the 500th anniversary. Dawn went. It's really good. It's really, really, really good. It's It's just like a big concert because they had an orchestra. And they had a choir. You remember that Rick came in to talk to us about it. And he was he said, because he'd written to them 36 years before, saying, I'd love to do the Six Wives of Henry VIII at Hampton Court. And they never bothered replying. He said, so presumably somebody was going through a drawer and found this letter and went, oh, Rick Wakeman can do it. So they, they booked him in. They went to him and said, come back and do it. And they did it over two nights and they brought out the DVD. And it's really good. I'd never heard it before. I hadn't heard it even when I did the interview with Rick. But he was, he was such a nice man. You couldn't fail to be charmed by him. And he's, he's just charming on this thing. But the music was really good. And it's so lovely to hear an orchestra in front of somewhere like Hampton Court Palace, which was never really Henry's home. It was his fun place. He went there. 700 people turned. That word would go up the river. He's coming up. And they'd have to go... And Anne Boleyn, I think she, she wandered a f- around a little bit until... And then she wandered around without her head on. And, um, poor soul, honestly, they didn't last. Honestly, in those days, they didn't mess around, did they? Michelle Heaton would have been beheaded years ago, all these people. There'd have been no trucking about you, so you do what? Off with a head. Public execution. God, we could line them up, couldn't we? I can think of about 20 people I'd have lined up already. That'd be very exciting. But the word would go up, 700 people would turn up, the kitchens would spring into life, and Henry would turn up there. He sometimes didn't even mix with the guests. He would just go up on, on the river. The journey took days, days and days. They got them up there, and they, they would have their, their sort of meals and stuff like that. And then he would come back to London and they'd all, they'd all carry on messing around and getting drunk and stuff like that. A bit like the rugby crowd yesterday or probably all the people celebrating after the marathon. And if you're finished, well done. At British Gas, we know your home is your world. That's why, if you've booked a visit from one of our engineers, they're committed to calling ahead, letting you know when they're on their way. So you can get on with your day and start with a long, hot shower. And sing your heart out in the knowledge that you won't miss the doorbell when it rings. Look after your world with British Gas. Visit britishgas.co.uk forward slash you. Excludes meter-related visits and contracted services. Hey, van owners, you've got to keep those vans moving. More Than Van Insurance comes with accident recovery as standard. And you could save up to £158. That bell. Isn't it funny how you start stop doing things to music? Anyway, it's nice to have a company. Welcome to Monday morning. Welcome to LBC 97.3. If you're a new listener, 
you're especially welcome. If you're an older listener, and I mean somebody who's listened to the station for a long time, you'll know all about podcasting because you've done it a million times before. If you haven't podcasted, then go to the LBC website and uh, check it out because it'll be the kind of thing that will change your life. If ever you get caught abroad again with a volcano and you've got nothing to listen to, if you've got the podcast with you, then you are guaranteed to be in a much better frame of mind than people who don't have LBC podcasts. Uh, I must mention this very briefly, just before we talk to Susan Spence. Uh, the Lady Rattlings, as you know, have their spring lunch on the 16th of May at the Royal Garden Hotel. It'll be full of lots of famous people, OK? Lots of famous people will be there. Uh, Sheila Hancock is the guest speaker. They're going to present two two cheques. I won't say what they are because it spoils it for the, for the people who are the recipients. And they're going to have a, a short cabaret spot from Jessica Martin. And... Uh, that people sit down, they have some drinks, they have a nice lunch, and, uh, and there's loads of famous people there. And, it's, and they've got some tickets available uh, on their website. And their website is www.goilr.co.uk. Go to the diary, and it's spring lunch. Babs Bruce says, uh, we've got a few tickets still available. So www.golr.co.uk. .uk, go to the diary and spring lunch. And that's for the 16th of May. It's lunchtime. It's lunchtime. And uh, not any incentive, but I'm going to be there as well. <laughs> not doing anything in particular, just having lunch, which is going to be very nice indeed. Uh, anyway, Susan Spence had a very busy day Morning. on Saturday. Morning. And, uh, Morning, I have, how are you? Uh, well, you know, still, still in the land of the living, just. <laughs> just about. <laughs> but of course, I don't know whether you saw the news yesterday that Ashley and his wife have been dumped from Coronation Street... Yeah, and I don't think that's uh, I don't think that's any real surprise. Um, we we did I say a while ago, didn't perfect. we, that, that we, we we thought it was it was something that could happen. Yeah, because Ashley, you know, they never give him a decent storyline. He hasn't had a storyline for a long, long time. They just like throw him in. I mean, he was even in there Friday night, just in the in the news agents with Rita and Claire. They gave her that friendship with um, Becky, and we thought, oh, okay, well, maybe something's going to happen here. They're going to have quite a nice little friendship. And then they never did anything with it. So it's like they don't know what to do with Claire and Ashley anymore. Mm. Um, so I don't think it is any real surprise. It's obviously a great shame for the for the actors, especially somebody like Stephen Arnold, who's been in um, Coronation Street for a long, long time. Yes. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they've guaranteed them a good send-off, but I don't imagine that's any kind of um, compromise or, or comfort to the to the actors because... I'm not really sure I can see these two doing anything else, to be honest. Well, I asked the, the question earlier on. When it was announced yesterday and what they'd done, both of them had gone in to see Phil Collinson, the new producer, and said, listen, can we have some meaty storylines? And he said, well, you have, you're leaving. Uh, because we don't think well, that... that they can go any further. Yeah, that's not that's not apparently the story. The story is, is that's being confirmed is that, you know, it was basically time, the character had run their course and it's time for them to go. Those mm. rumours that that were there apparently are, are not strictly true. It really was a case of, listen, it, it's time for you to go as opposed to any kind of going there and requesting meetings and all of that kind of thing. Um, so I think, I think yeah, I think either way you look at it, the two actors are extremely shocked. Um, and I think it will send a few rumbles through Coronation Street because I think, right, OK, well, Ashley was there for years. Because remember, he's, he's dad. Um, Fred Elliott, mm. um, you know, so he, he's been there, a long-standing cast member, so they can get rid of him, then they pretty much can get rid of whoever they want. So I think it's like, as well as that meeting that they had last week with, you know, to try and get everybody to toe the line a little bit, 
Um, I think they're probably sitting there thinking, right, we just go to work, turn up, do our lines, go back, keep our head down and hope that we keep our job, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, difficult, so, because I think he's been there 14 years. Yeah, yeah, he's been there a long time. Mm. Um, you know, as a young, as a kind of a young lad. So he'll find it tougher than, um, than, than Claire will. Julia that plays um, Claire, she, she, you know, I think she's done stuff before and I think she's more likely. Plus, she's not long had a baby. She got married a couple of years ago. You know, she's got another kind of life. Stephen Arnold isn't. So uh, they're two very different people with two different kind of lives. But I think either, either way you look at it, I think, I think it will be a bit of a, a, bit of a shocker for them. Mm. Shame, really. But uh, all mm, things, yeah. you know, come to an end. And, and they obviously... Yeah. I think you end, you end up keeping certain people in there because they're the hardcore. And then you move others around the outside. But they haven't had, as you say, a good storyline for, for ages and ages. Well, they didn't really, really have a storyline Well, no, they didn't really have a good storyline since they had the, that whole kidnapping thing. And then, um, you know, Claire got pregnant and with the old, uh, um, you shed the, the pregnancy that went wrong and then she was on top of the building and you remember she was going to threaten to commit suicide and then there was a silly story where he wouldn't have a vasectomy but he lied about it. You know, all of this kind of thing, it was like they were really clutching at straws to give them something to do. Yeah. Um, so that's why, in a way, it wouldn't have been a surprise had they gone to the powers that be and said, look, do you mind giving us a bit more of a storyline? And remember they had that ridiculous storyline where they moved the Webster's from out of uh, their house into Claire and Ashley's house and vice versa. And it's like, well, why did you really do that? You know, they've yeah. got a growing family. They need the bigger house. It just, it, it was just like, oh, let's give give us something to do. And we all know that when it gets to that point, you're on a bit of sticky ground because the story, if the scriptwriters can't find something for you, mm. then you get forgotten. And before you know where you are, you are out the door. So a real shame, I think, I, I have to say for them, but I, I don't think it's any surprise. I'm afraid also um, the uh, the the car crash taxed the acting ability of, of poor poor Kevin Webster the other day, uh, where he was trying to act, you know, <laughs> a as if he was concerned because strangely enough the brakes didn't work on the car and yet they managed to pull into the pub car park and brake quite normally with nothing falling off. So all of a sudden they just broke on that back road and all of a sudden the car accelerated beyond belief as opposed to using well, the handbrake, you know. Yeah, yeah, they did take that. They swerved to, to miss those cyclists, and as they did. That pulled off whatever bolt holds on, whatever kind of brakes. They got nothing about cars. They must have shot um, it out I, of a rocket. It did a, a, a yeah. double flip in the air. <laughs> Only went through a fence. Yeah, I thought it was quite. I thought it was quite a good crash in Corey's point of view. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, they were out filming that for you know for a good long while. Apparently, mm. it was absolutely freezing cold. Um, but yeah, I mean, and the thing is, we kind of knew that they would be okay because the storyline's got to keep continuing because that will come out at some stage that they had an affair. It has to come out. There's no way that they'll ever keep that one quiet. No. Um, so, so yeah, but I, I thought it was quite a good crash. I mean, the acting, well, I, I, I quite like Tyrone. I'm not that huge Molly fan, but I, I thought the acting wasn't bad. And Auntie Pam got her bit because we like her because she lives locally. So, mm. Um, yeah, it was it, it was okay, but I think the one that you need to be watching this week for absolute sure has got to be EastEnders uh, because of everything that happened on Friday night. Because tonight right. is the night that Amira will leave EastEnders, uh, and the whole gay affair comes very, very public. Oh, what I what I was fascinated in the in the relationship between the husband and wife in EastEnders, the ones with with the gay son, is that she's yeah, student, yeah. that's right. But he's he's the, the 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 husband or the father is terribly cultured and speaks like this, and the wife is speaking like. As, and I'm thinking, what's going on here? Why? Can't, and also, he doesn't look old enough to be the father of this boy. And no, no, he doesn't. Almighty row the other day about this. You know, I came in and saw them doing it, and don't worry, he he will do the right thing. I thought you're living in cloud cuckoo land, but I have to take a very it was quick great. break. Okay, then. All right, no very problem. quick break. Hold on a sec. Quarter past okay. six. News headlines: Sam Pittis. 
Good morning, Steve. David Cameron's making a pitch to win. 18 past six, so all comes to a head tonight in EastEnders. Every soap seems to be running, except Home and Away, running a gay storyline. I don't see much gayness going on in Summer Bay, but I'm quite sure it will at some point. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, it's the ideal weather we have, for it. We, do you know, I'm just trying to cast my mind back, but we, but we have, because you know I'm a huge Home and Away fan, mm. and I, I always sky plus it, but um, we have had a gay storyline, and I'm trying to think who it was. It might, it'll come to me or somebody will let us know, but they did have one, but not to the same degree. As, as we do seem to um, hear in, in the UK, I mean, and especially with this storyline, because it, it's turned into one of these cryed type things where mm. they, 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 you know, join the names together and everything. And when, when people start to do that, you kind of know you've hit on something. Mm. Um, and it, it was very good on Friday. I thought there was some great acting from um, Zainab and Masood and Saeed um, and Amira as well. But I, I'm... She, when she learns the truth tonight, I mean, you have to, your heart goes out to her, but in a way you think, well, you're probably a bit relieved because mm. all the pieces, you know, kind of fit together. And mm. the girl must think, right now I know why you never wanted to sleep with me and how, how she managed to get pregnant. Seriously, it's more like the Immaculate Conception than anything because it's just like they, they never were together. Um, oh, so it, is it, is just, it actually not his then? Well, well, yes, it, it, it is. There's a, there is a little bit of a twist at the end tonight because, of course... She she actually told him at the end of Friday or towards the end oh, of Friday that's right. that she not, wasn't actually pregnant. That's right. It's come back and n- course, not was, pregnant. Yeah, and he was gutted because you know that was really the reason why he basically said to to um, Christian. It was also the fact he wanted the respect of his family. Yeah. So that was really why I did it. But then she, when she at the end of it, she <sighs> saw the writing on the wall that said Saeed loves Christian, and then everything comes spilling out. She's hysterical as you would imagine, and uh, she basically. Um, publicly outs them uh, at the party. You know, they have these parties going on at the same time. And she outs them and she reveals to the guests that there is no baby and that Saeed is gay and loves Christian. And, of course, Saeed steps forward. Now, Amira's dad is there, Quadim, and he has to be held back because clearly, you know, <laughs> the fact that he's been unfaithful and B is gay clearly doesn't go down well with the father. And Amira sort of packs her bag and admits to Saeed that she always had her suspicions that there was something going on between him and Christian. Because these right. boys were she's always right. very yeah. good friends. And yeah. She always knew. And she does leave in the back of, back of the cab, as you and I always say, never very good. However, yeah. this one has got a twist. Because as she says bye to Chelsea, who was her best mate, she says to her, don't forget, do not tell anybody. And basically, she's still carrying Saeed's child. Oh. So, so there's a little bit of a twist, um, oh, and it's it, it's kind of like you see. My thought on this was because you know how the two girls did the pregnancy test at the same yes, time. I yes. thought they got mixed up, and that um, Chelsea's not actually pregnant and Amira is. But later on this week, you'll also see that Chelsea, you know, says that she is still pregnant and she wants to tell Jack. And Lucas goes mad because he's a preacher man. He wants her to keep it. And, of course, Denise doesn't want us to keep it. So it's a case of, well, what will she do? And is this going to be part of uh, Tiana Benjamin's leaving storyline? So that one's still a bit unsure. I still think there's a twist in the tail on that one, but I'm not sure what it's going to be. <laughs> and do we think that Christian um, and Saeed are going to stay together, or are they out as well? Well, no, they're not out. Um, because, when I say out, I mean leaving. Yeah, I know what you mean, yeah. <laughs> um, well, Saeed publicly rejects him this week, and he does a disappearing act, so nobody knows where he's gone. Um... And then Quadine turns up with his heavies, looking for um, Saeed. With his clearly, heavies? He's like thinking, yeah, oh. yeah. Because remember, remember, the father was inside. Admittedly, I think it was for fraud, but he's obviously met a few unsavouries there. Plus, he looks as if he might have a few unsavoury characters yeah. in his life. And so, of course, you think, well, 
if he can't find Saeed, then what's the next best thing? Christian. So the case of his Christian's life in danger oh. because of Quadim. So well worth watching. Well worth watching EastEnders um, this week because it's it's that storyline that there was only one ever ending it was going to have, and 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 this and this is it. But mm. it, they've, they've done it very well. Never happy endings. Over in over in Coronation Street, of course, uh, we've we've still got. I, I got confused with because I, I can never remember Kevin's other daughter. We, we, we've got the one who sort of wants to marry a footballer. And That's Rosie. Rosie and is quite, li- qu- quite clearly living in the wrong house. She needs to sort of move somewhere else and start working <laughs> and to try and ensnare somebody. And now we've got the sister being dressed up by her and, and going out on the tap yeah. and picking up a bloke. Well, yeah, but that was all that was all to help her try and get over her friend, Sean. And I, if you saw it on, on Friday, the two girls in the end decided that, yes, they would have some kind of relationship, but they would keep it quiet for the moment because one's living in Southport, the other one's living in Weatherfield. Off she went, and uh, this week Sophie gets a job in Dev's shop in order to pay for her travel to go back and forth and and see Sophie, um, so to see Sean. So yeah, I mean these two will keep that going. Again, that's going to be one that will probably, mm. you know, it'll take off a little bit later on. I think that could be a slow burner that one. But the big, the two big storylines in Coronation Street. One is the misery storyline for Norris. Because he kind of gets kidnapped by that mad woman Mary as they go off to Yorkshire for the uh, for the week. She's mad and, as a brush. Oh, she's absolutely mad as a brush, and basically she sneaks into his bed <laughs> and he wakes up. Yeah, he, poor bloke, he goes to sleep. She wake, he wakes up and he's got his head resting on her bosom. Well, of course you can imagine he's out of that bed quicker than you know butter off a hot knife. <laughs> it's like oh my god. Um, and then a bit later on, he wants to make a phone call. Can't make a phone call because. The phone doesn't work. And then he says, right, drive me to the next village. And she said, oh, I can't. The motorhome isn't working. And that's when the penny drops. And he thinks, oh, my God, you're trying to kidnap me. Um, so it, it's quite good. It's kind of it's kind of like Misery. Remember the the, um, mm. the, the movie Misery, except it's got a lot more humour in it. But um, it, it's quite it's quite a dark storyline as well. Um, and also, I thought she was barking Lewis. at the wrong tree with Norris anyway. Well, of course. He'd be more lie. interested in Louis from Pineapple Dance Studio. Well, yeah, but he has been married twice, Norris, in the, in the soap. Has he? Um, yeah, yeah. First of all, that was how they brought him in. He was married to, oh, I can't remember his wife, because they ran a paper company or a stationery company, and that's how he, he got introduced to Coronation Street, because he was the stationery rep. Um, and his mad wife really basically terrorised the poor bloke. Oh. So, yeah, he has been. Um, and, of course, he's always had a crush on Rita, remember? Rita's the one lover of his odd, life. I'm afraid. Well, yeah, it is. I think is. Rita should have had a gay relationship with Emily Bishop because they get on really well together. <laughs> well, Audrey and Lewis become an item this week and we mm. do see a little kiss on screen between these two, which, quite frankly, is a little Lewis? bit off-putting. Lewis? Lewis, the escort. Oh, the escort. Oh, right. Yeah. Nigel she tries to get him. Yes, that's right. She tries oh. to get him out of her life and then he reveals that he's got feelings for her, which, of course, is utter baloney. The guy's up to something big style. Yes, because he's, and, he's an escort. Rita, you can't trust them. Yeah. Yeah, and Rita says, look, you know, you're a fool, and if you go with this guy, then don't come to me with your broken heart, which I actually agree. It's not a friendly thing to do, but I actually agree, because she just thinks, oh, for heaven's sake, I've had enough of your stupidity, really. Um, but that's the main one for, for Coronation Street. And quickly on, East, on, on Emmerdale, um, Aaron wakes up after trying to kill himself last week. I don't know if you saw his suicide attempt. I'm worried um, about Aaron, I'm week. afraid. Yeah, yeah, but he wakes up and still wishes he were dead and all that, and Chaz takes a hand in it all, which is never a good idea. And we also say bye to Eli this week, oh, um, one, of, one of the dingles. <laughs> yeah, one of the dingles, but still too many of them left. Yes. 
Um, nice. But he tries to rob the B&B before he goes because he wants to get money to try and help Elena, you know, the illegal immigrant who's oh, in custody. Damn. Um, so, yeah, so Joseph Gilgun is leaving to pursue a movie career. So um, it was his decision to leave. So he goes, he goes this week. But, you know, I think... If only they could get rid of Marlon, if only they could get rid of Sam and Zach Paddy. and all of that lot, you just think, oh, please. Yes, and Paddy as well, who I was going to say, out of all the people in Emmerdale, Paddy would have the one having a gay relationship, I thought. Well, Paddy. <laughs> I mean, the look of shock on his yeah. face when police knock on his door, I mean, it's almost a picture in itself. Yeah, no, bless him. He's a big man, but he's just a, a, a bit of a yeah. wuss. But I think they've given him a good storyline with this. I think he's acting quite well um, alongside Aaron. And, you know, it, it's about time to give him, because you and I both said a long time ago, you need to give him a storyline, otorwise he's going to f- go out the door like Ashley and yes, Claire did in yes. Corey. But yeah. they found him a storyline, I think it works quite well. So. All right. Well, good so, luck yeah, to them. Yeah, tons going on in the soaps this week. Absolutely tons. But if you're only going to watch one, watch EastEnders. There you go. Thank you for that, Susan. We'll talk to you next week. You're welcome. Take okay, care. Look, bye. Bye. Susan Spence. So now you know it's all going to go on and kick off in it. Oh, dear, I'm not sure I can cope with it. Um, Steve. Steve. Do you think it's too early to make jokes about the volcanic ash? Or should we wait until the dust settles? It's an oldie, but it's a goodie. I should have had one then. Ka-ching. And uh, Johnny, who's always fit, says, So fitness guru Lorraine Kelly was running the marathon. When she finishes, will the new DVD be out in the summer? You won't believe this. As predicted on this... I'm almost embarrassed to tell you I'm right yet again. When, um... Colleen Nolan brought out her fitness DVD. I was as sceptical as when Natalie Cassidy brought hers out. Natalie Cassidy piled on the pounds and then some, who was pictured in the Sunday papers yesterday, still puffing away on her fags because she's an addict and she's piled on the pounds. It's Colleen Nolan. So if you'd like to write to her at Loose Women requesting your money back for the DVD, I would recommend that immediately. Because I've said to you before, don't ever, ever buy celebrity DVDs. If you want to lose weight and if you want to be fit, go to the doctor. They'll give you a diet sheet for free. Won't cost you a penny piece. My advice is little and often and exercise. Start with walking, then fast walking, and then eventually you can start doing slow jogging. And then eventually you get up to that peak of fitness, Princess Beatrice, who becomes a caterpillar. And it's like so much fun in the marathon. It's like, you know, people were shouting my name out. Horsey, horsey. It's all dreadful. And then Mumsy and Popsy were there at the end, and it was all wonderful for everybody. Connie says the Catholic Church is strictly against abortions, so there's no way the Pope will open an abortion clinic. Trust me, he'll never do that. I don't think there was ever intention that he might have been, or even thought it was supposed to be just a little bit of light-hearted humour. In the same way, I really don't think Pope condoms are going to be making it onto the shelf. Also, although some enterprising person might actually come up with that. And will he bless a gay marriage? Probably not. Although, as they've said before, over in Vatican City, it's a veritable fairyland, I'm afraid, most of the time. Uh, Sue in Enfield says, give a mention to my son Stevie. He goes back for his army training today. We're very proud of him. And, um... Loads more jokes about volcanoes, some of which are not at all tasteful, I'm afraid. But that's the kind we like on the programme. News is next. London's biggest conversation. Morning, Sam. Morning, Steve. Right. Alex says, time to take drastic steps. I've sharpened the pin, mm. studied the form and mm. made my selection. So hopefully I can start the week with a winner. Because on Friday, the grey one... Fifth for him, lost £2. Total profits dropping now £3.80. Yeah, like your bikini babe, much as it might have raised your temperature slightly, could only manage fourth out of six horses running. Well, I had a win of the day before, so, you know. Yes, but it hasn't helped. Your total loss is £13.33. Pence. OK. It's not good enough. No, it's not. You know, I think, think we need to sort of up the ante. 
Nice enough to start cracking the whip in the yes, school centre. I think you need mm. to start sort of pushing them a little bit. I think they've become a little bit lackadaisical. I think they have, you know. So we're off to Windsor today, yep. which is a very nice course. Mm. Ten past five. The I... Sydney Arms. Right. It's like a public house, doesn't it? The Sydney Arms. It does, it does, it really does. Oh. Uh, probably a nice one in Windsor, I would have thought, as well. Actually, well, I don't know. There's some pubs by, by the river in Windsor. Yeah, that's true. I suppose they're a little bit, um, the ones by the castle are a little bit uh, touristy. But, Very uh, touristy. Yeah. And the tourists hardly ever go in pubs, really. They always go in the Burnie Inn there and the McDonald's. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> well, they uh, a good meal when they see one. Uh, we are going to go to Windsor as well. All right. Oh. Uh, yeah, so uh, the 5.40 for us and uh, Bebop Alula. Do you know that song? <laughs> I'm not not this morning at six thirty four. No, right, I just wondered whether or not you would, you know, the one that goes. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's the one exactly. Baby. Well, you feel free. No, I was just hoping you were going to join in. No, I wasn't. Not, no, no I, I could tell. It wasn't going to happen. But it doesn't matter. But anyway, let's keep our fingers crossed that tomorrow, at this time, we're able to award you something exciting. Well, we'll have to, because I tell you, I think I don't think I've had a week without a winner. I've had at least one winner yes, every week. Yes, I mean, you know, the tiddly little amounts that uh, but, arrive in your in your bank account are hardly going to keep us going. It's something to aim for, though, isn't it? Yes. I mean, you know, keeps the head up, keeps it the chin up. It certainly does. And in fact, if, if you do it tomorrow, I can give you a special Mars bar. A special Mars bar? A special to celebrate the fact that it's World Cup. And they're the official sponsors. Oh, right. So they're very kindly, as reception told me on Friday, they said you're going to be very popular with the newsroom because mm. they've sent you in a whole bag of these special Mars bars. And so over the weekend I distributed yeah. to all the new staff and very happy and very grateful they were. Uh, but I saved one for you. Just out of interest, where did, so, you, where did you keep this bag of Mars bars? Uh, I can't discuss that with mm, you, okay. but I, I do have them. Right. I do have them. And one can be yours tomorrow if you have a winner. Looking forward to it. Okay. Thanks very much indeed. Thanks, Steve. That's Sam Pittis. Uh, What is happiness? Happiness used to be, you know, a job and a good relationship and friends and family. No, not now. Happiness is a job paying £42,000, a half a million pound house and savings of around £33,000 in the bank. The producer's very, very depressed after this. It's not, you know, she, she, she can only manage one out of three on this, and I can't tell you which one... And I'm just trying to build it up a bit. I mean, she hasn't got any of them. But if I say she's got one of them, it makes me feel a bit better. Apparently, just 9% of Britons were completely happy with their finances. But that's silly. It depends what the question was. You know, would you be happy if you had a million pounds in the bank? Yes. In other words, 100%. What, what is happiness for you? I'm, I'm curious to know if you, if, if you think this is right. £42,000 job... I mean, I know not everybody can be a London licensed taxi driver. You know, minimum 42,000 if you only go out once a week. Half a million pound house and 33,000 in the bank. Somebody wrote earlier on to Anthony Davis saying that the, there are buskers in Covent Garden who can make a thousand pounds a week. I thought, thousand pounds a day more likely. Thousand pounds a day. Have you seen the crowds at some, admittedly some of them are rubbish. The standard is, is about as low as Britain's got talent. It doesn't come much lower than that on occasion. Some of the very good ones, though, can make a thousand. There'll be a thousand people standing there watching, and they, they, they will go for that. So what is, what is happiness to you? 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. A half a million pound house. I remember a friend of mine had a half a million pound house. It just didn't seem right. You went, a half a million pa-. Years ago, you'd have gone, how much are houses? You go to Liverpool, 15,000, 17,000, 42,000. And whenever I watch these programmes, a place in the country, they show you some lovely place with a field and a paddock, and, and they go, and how much do you think this is? And they go, well, well our, our, our budget's 350. And you think, you get that for under 350,000. They go, well, actually, be pleased to know it's on the market for 297. And you look at this place that's got four bedrooms, fields, paddocks, off-street, just lovely beautiful outlook and you think 
And in London, what do you get for that? Answer, some run-down old place. I mean, I'm constantly amazed by looking through the Richmond property magazine. And I go through it, and they have... Here, here's a nice house, and it's in... I think this one was in Richmond. Four-bedroom. They've recently sort of done it up, and it's on offer for only £1.6 million. And you think, well, that's fine, but then there's a whole row of these, a whole road. And, in fact, so many of the roads, even a cheap house in Richmond, can be £800,000. Well, where do people get that kind of money from now? Is it moving up the ladder? And the answer is, it, it must be, because I can't think it's, it's anything else, even though the rich get richer. If you look at the Sunday Times rich list, I, I, I try not to look at it, I find it a little bit tedious, seeing as I'm not on it for the umpteenth year running, but everybody else is on it. And there's all sorts of... Uh, of strange, but guess who is a big fan of McDonald's? Who you would not think would be a big fan of McDonald's? Jamie Oliver. Jamie Oliver has actually come up and uh, and heaped praise on McDonald's, despite accusations that it's one of the driving forces behind the rising global tide of obesity and ill health. He says McDonald's in the UK is very different to the US model. The quality of the beef. Uh, they only sell free-range eggs. They only sell organic milk. Their ethics and recycling is being improved. And improved. Funny thing to say for Jamie Oliver. But I would have thought... Now, I've eaten meat in America, and believe you me, the quality of their meat is a lot better than over here. Much, much better over here. The fact that they do free-range eggs and organic milk, I'm afraid it doesn't make it any better. I mean, when they say it's a burger in a bun, it's not a bun as we know it. Because I've been into bakers, and I've never tasted buns like this before. Chips that are... No, they're not chips, are they? They're fries. And for a fry, read... I'm not even sure they've been near potatoes, these things. I don't know what they are, but it's reconstituted. They're very nice, but they're, you know, I like onion rings. At least, because when you've taken off the batter, you can actually see there's an onion in the middle of it. But I would never think anything like this was healthy, even if they stick lettuce in a Big Mac. It doesn't make it healthy, I'm afraid, because the bun, the cheese, the processed cheese, really bad for you. The mayonnaise, really bad for you. All of these things, very, very bad for you. I've said before, all the things you like are all the things that aren't any good for you. I know people... I have had McDonald's in the past. I've had one of their bagels in the morning. It just blows me up. All of a sudden you think, oh, dear, I'm not sure. I shouldn't be having that. Uh, why is our television so vulgar and boring? Written in the Daily Mail today by Joan Collins, talking about this fire-eating porn star who appears on Britain's Got Talent wearing two little nipple covers. I mean, not the kind of thing you want your children to watch on television, I should imagine. And she said it's hard to explain to people how glamorous television used to be. Reality shows now feature something. Well, we had a man the other day reciting Shakespeare whilst beating the actress on the bottom with his hand. He lifted a skirt up and on national television with young people watching, this is now acceptable. You know, a woman who, who, who takes her top off and blows fire and who turns out to be a, a former hardcore porn star appears on our national television. I mean, I'll, I'll just... You just give up, don't you? I quite understand how the programme works. I understand that you've got to get publicity. And if you say, oh, there was a porn star in that people go, really? And for some reason, people become a bit interested. There's a lady in one of the papers today talking about uh, a social networking site which young people appear to be attracted to at the moment. And she didn't know what her daughter was going on. It was just a meeting site. And so you went on, and apparently you click on, and, and, and a face will come up. If you don't like the look of the person, you click next, and another one comes up. And it's very well known. And it's something roulette. See, Amanda knows all about it. She was horrified to discover what goes on on this site. She was horrified to discover this is just full of perverts and people who are taking their clothes off 
And many of them, she said, could be up to the age of 70, but they're pretending to be young people. And her daughter would click on something, and then somebody would come in, and the camera would be, let's just say, below the waist. People all around the world, where, you know, if you've got perverts in this country and you've got perverts in the church, you've certainly got them around the world. And parents have no idea that their children are logging on to this. She said it wasn't till she checked that she suddenly realised how absolutely awful it is. And she stopped her looking at it. Because it's just full of people pretending to be people that they're not. And it's just absolutely awful. Absolutely awful. But it goes on. As I said, the, the most popular word on the, uh, on the internet is sex. You type in sex and, unfortunately, young children and young people who have internets uh, in their room, in their bedrooms, do you as a parent know what's on there? A friend of mine uh, had to check on his, uh, went onto the computer used by his stepchildren at the time. And, of course, most children don't realise you click on history, you can see exactly what they've been on. This, this lad, for the age of 12, 13, was on everything. Absolutely everything. And most parents, the advice always used to be from LBC and from anywhere else, responsible. So, in other words, if you've got a computer, bring it downstairs so you could see what they're logging on to. Because otherwise you've got no idea... I felt a bit sorry the other day for a lady called Nicole Harper. Um, she leapt onto a digger in a desperate attempt to stop council workers demolishing her luxury granny annex. Um, they wanted to tear down this extension on a house, and they have. They've just ripped it down. Uh, it's a £3 million house. It's a, a legal battle between uh, her son, Michael Harper, at his country home, but officials declared it a metre wider and four metres longer than had be approved. And they're, they're quite funny now, council. I don't know if you've ever had stuff done... And then they come in and go, well, I'm sorry, this is too big. Remember Anthea Turner? You remember Anthea Turner. And she put in, th- and they went, no, it's coming down. And she went, well, can we appear? No, you've just flouted the law. We've said to you, you can have this, and you've done that. Quite clearly, you must think we're stupid. So they gave her a slap on the wrist and a slap on the back of her legs and sent her on away with a flea in the air. And this woman here uh, had all this torn down. The digger smashed through the boundary wall. The council came in. She tried to jump onto the digger and do everything. But uh, but you can't. It took two and a half years to complete this thing, built by Austrian craftsmen, and uh, everything was in there, and they had to they had to get it all out. She she refused to let go, and the police stepped in, and they do, and uh, they went, no, it's too big. I mean, I would have thought that common sense would have prevailed, and you know, a meter wider and four meters longer. And then you think, well, that's twelve feet longer and three. That's actually a bit, you know, a few inches here and there. Anyway, the council turned up mob-handed. Fifteen of them turn up with the police and the diggers. This woman's going, don't touch... And they just bring it to the ground. So be warned if you fall and foul. We had a similar case in Twickenham. Somebody who had a nice Victorian house, they ripped all the inside out and started doing everything. And the council came around and put it all back. Put it all... You can't rip this stuff out. This is listed building, for goodness sake. And people think they can get away with it. And that's when uh, problems occur, I'm afraid. So we'll have no more of those problems. Everybody will be nice and smiley and very happy. Why? Because it's quarter to seven. With the headline, Sam Pittis. Thank you, Steve. The three main parts. Three. Morning, everybody. Monday morning, 12 minutes to seven. Achy, 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 if you read the, uh, did the marathon the other day. I, of course, not achy, achy, because I didn't do the marathon the other day. Nick Ferrari this morning with the papers. Yasmin Alibi-Brown. Talking about rich people, the Pope story, which won't go away. 
after the Foreign Office was forced to issue a public apology, uh, after this memo suggested Britain should mark the Pope's visit by asking him to open an abortion clinic. Nick will be finding out whether or not you think it's, uh, it's amusing or whether it's offensive. I mean, it's not necessarily in the best possible taste, but there again, what is humour nowadays? What is humour? Uh, we asked you before, what, what is happiness? After the report in the paper that said happiness is £33,000 in savings... Uh, a £500,000 house and a £42,000 a year job. And I thought you could actually be happier on a lot less than that. In fact, the producer is living proof that you could be fairly happy on practically nothing at all. A woman who exists on vegetarian pot noodles, which is why she would have loved the Gordon Ramsay programme. When he went to Kerala, there was one... It wasn't Kerala, it was somewhere else in India. And the whole town was vegetarian. You could not buy a flat or a house there unless you were vegetarian. If they... If they... Yes... And so, who has Gordon? They actually asked him to eat vegetarian. I mean, some of it looked a bit fine, but every single restaurant was vegetarian. They didn't serve anything. And this whole town, vegetarian, I'm not saying like it. Uh, B in South Norwood says, wish my friends Val and Pauline a fantastic holiday in New York. They fly this morning. Big silver bird up in sky. Martin says, happiness is waking up to 35-year-old Steve Allen. <laughs> Must be a different one then. I'm 39. Uh, Joyce says, happiness is a song by Ken Dodd. Kevin says, you're hardly going to be able to afford a mortgage on a half a million pound house on 42,000. How's that going to make you happy? Yes, I never thought about that, actually. I'm just assuming that you've got the money and your mortgage is paid. I'm assuming that your mortgage isn't paid. Uh, Sean says, I thought happiness was a cigar called Hamlet. The mild cigar from Benson and Hedges. Remember that? I used to love that. I used to love that advert. Sabina says, happiness is to be loved, is, is to love and be loved. That's good. They all say in a relationship, don't they? One loves and the other is loved. And I think it's, it's sort of give and take. Uh, and Harry says, happiness to me, Steve, is waking up healthy every morning. Oh, live in hope of waking up healthy. I live in hope of that happening. Waking up one morning where you don't have an ache or pain. You get there, you know, and you sort of stand in the shower and you think, <sighs> am I happy? And you think, of course I'm happy. I'm getting up. It's nice. People are just sort of climbing into bed and I'm sort of getting up to face the day in, uh, in London. Uh, I wondered as well earlier on, and I'm quite sure that later on this will crop up, when you get yet another silly celebrity who comes out and confesses because they're trying to sell a book about the fact that they've taken cocaine. This is silly Denise Welsh, who's trying to look sad and depressed. And they've changed her makeup to make it look as though she's just really terribly remorseful and so awful about the whole thing, and yet did it for ages and ages. She tells in her candid autobiography... Uh, of meeting her dealer at 3am on crime-ridden back streets and driving whilst high on coke. How dreary, Denise. How how rather stupid of you. How stupid. But there again, you know, there's her, there were people before her, there'd be people after her. And it, it's, it's just a bit dull. I'd be more interested if you came out and admitted that you weren't a very good actress and you fooled everybody for years and you were really a bloke called Kevin. I'd be more interested in that. Not, I've done cocaine. But uh, the story goes on and on, and no doubt she'll be sitting there, smiling all over her face today. Probably should, perhaps she'll bring out a fitness DVD. Because they all do, don't they? It's, it's the way to make money. I said before, if you bring out a 50... Sorry, if you bring out a, uh, a fitness DVD, there is the, uh, the chance now that you can make probably about 100 grand. So I'm think I'm going to bring one out. I think I'm going to bring out the Steve Allen Fitness... Because let's face it, honest Steve, if it works for me, it'll work for you. I was not at all happy, Steve, with a salary of £46,500, savings of over 30000 and a house that I nearly owned, as I really hated the people that I worked for. It was destroying my health, and I had no life just paying taxes for other people's children. I now spent... 
I've now spent most of my money, have no job, and selling my house to buy a tiny place in Bruce Grove to start again at the age of 42. It's scary, but I'm happy. It's true, isn't it? Does, does money bring you happiness? And the answer is, well, it depends how you are in the first place. You know, if, if you're a fairly happy person, money's just going to buy you loads more things. I don't see that money makes you miserable. It's never made me miserable. You know, I think you could be... I mean, I'm just as happy going out buying, I don't know, some cleaning fluid that, than I am buying a mat. I'm just as happy doing that. I mean, I can, I can, I can be quite excited. I walked around Tesco the other day, Osterley, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm sort of captivated by the cleaning section. I love the cleaning section. I love the colours of the... Pre- I'll, I'll buy that. Okay, that's a pretty colour. It's going to go in the kitchen. And then I look at things, I think, right, let's get some of those. I've got some more wipes. I've got wipes for everything. Absolutely wipes for everything. I spend hours just standing in the kitchen section. It's like if you go to America... I spend hours in the chemist because they've got stuff in there that we haven't got, and it's on the shelf. And you can, I walk out with all sorts of things. Half of it I don't need. But in case I get whooping cough or, cough or diphtheria, I've got it all. I've got it there. I mean, I can, I can do just about anything. So any of the chemists, I love that. The only thing I'm not, I don't get off on, shoe shops. I cannot understand why women get excited about shoe shops. I cannot get excited about even clothes shops. I'm really not that, I just don't, you know, they're there and I quite like looking, but I wouldn't, like women, they go through the racks and I think, oh, how dull. And then shoes, look at those shoes, it's a pair of shoes for goodness sake, it's going to break your heels anyway. I do, I mean, I bought a pair of shoes the other day, but I'm in and out in five minutes. I look along the line, I get that, and I don't like spending a lot. I won't spend more than 50 quid on a pair of shoes, because I think that's, that's enough money, way enough money. So I go to Marks and Spencers, I look along the line, I go, I'll try those in a ten and a half, and he brought them back, he went... I've only got them in, a, in a, an 11. Oh, it might be a bit too big for me. And, of course, I try them on. They're not too big. So I, I buy that. And I'm quite happy with that. I don't... And, and yet, strange enough, it took me about three years to spend £900 on a computer. Because I keep going, I don't like to take it out of my savings. I feel a bit... I just can't quite justify it. And then, of course, now it's too late now. Because we practically closed down my other computer. And we put it all onto the, onto the mat. So I'll let you know how I get on. Because believe you me, anybody who is more stupid on computers, you'll be hard pushed to find. I know nothing. Nothing. Luckily, I don't use computers in the way other people use computers. I can just about sign on, type an email to somebody or print an invoice, and that is the extent of it. Oh, and I can, I can, I can go, you know, around the world on, on, um, on the internet and look at things and stuff like that. Because that's why I love the internet. Years ago, you had to go to conventions to go and find it. Now I can go on the internet. I can have stuff shipped over from America quite quickly. If I'm FedExing it or, or any of the other companies, then that's absolutely fine for me. But I'm, I don't understand what people do. They go, oh, you can do a spreadsheet. Why? Why? got no idea what a spreadsheet is. Not a clue. Not a clue. You must read Jim Shelley today because he's, uh, he's so right about all of the... Um, oh, they're also axing the BBC's working lunch. That's another one that's coming off, strangely. Uh, and Declan, who's on there, of course, used to be with LBC years and years ago. So they're acting working lunch because whoever is now running the BBC, spending my money, giving free publicity to Andrew Lloyd Webber for his new show, How Do You Solve a Problem Like... Oh, look, it's the Wizard of Oz again. And uh, so we're doing that. And I can't understand why. I said yesterday, we should be getting free tickets for this Wizard of Oz because it's my licence-paying money that's gone to fund this programme. And I don't see it in any other way. I can understand if the BBC had a stake in it and we were getting some money back. But we don't appear to be actually getting any money back for promoting Andrew Lloyd Webber's show. Uh, Julian says, Pushka in India is entirely vegetarian. I've been there. It's very boring. <gasps> well, I, I can't help but agree with you, Julian. I mean, it was quite nice, but you know what veggies are like? They are so dull. They're really out there, you know, they, they always think they're the healthiest, you know. But meat is murder. Of course it is. Well, killing a carrot's equal murder, as far as I'm concerned. Equal rights for artichokes, I say. 
I can't bet, you know, people go, oh, look, and here's different ways I can do mange too. Lovely. Love that. Oh, look, sugar snap peas. Fabulous. Love it all. Ask them to cook a steak. No way. Cathy and Ryslip reckons Denise has already had a fitness video out in the 90s. Oh dear. <laughs> Not happy about that at all. Not happy about that at all. And Dame Helen Mirren is going to upset everybody because she said that British actors are lazy and has praised the worth ethic of their UK... So their US counterparts. Well, we're not lazy on LBC. We're here with you 24 hours a day. We love having your company. Thank you for today. Do go to the LBC website. Check out the podcast. Check out the blog. It'll all be up there a little bit later on. We'll do it again tomorrow morning between five and seven. So if you're one of those people like Scott who wakes up in the morning and goes, what do we do now? Then you have a cup of tea and and then you think, turn on the radio. That's what you should do. Leave it on LBC all day long. I'm back with you tomorrow morning at five. Have a lovely day. Well done to all those who did the marathon. Lots of money raised for charity. Uh, Nick's with you at seven. First of all, this morning's business update with Sam Pittis. Thank you, Steve. The FTSE will open after closing.